All right, welcome back to VB's Pod. I'm sitting here with my buddy Dan Lewigs. Did I say that right, Lewigs? You did, you did. I never know if it's right. I'm like, Lugs, Lewigs. You did perfect. We're talking to Jordan, and you said it just perfect. Oh, my God, I got a special talent. When you grow up with a last name like Van Buskirk, you really try to pay attention to names because I've heard my name pronounced as everything but Van Buskirk for so long, and it doesn't really bother me, but it slightly annoys me anymore, especially when you have the first name Connor, and when I was... 20 or no when i was five or seven no one was named connor period <laughs> right now, now everyone's named connor. all the kids are so you would go up to someone especially in you know small town else illinois and go yeah my name is connor van buskirk and they just look at you and go huh the hell are you talking about your name's connor van but what <laughs> you got two last names because <laughs> that was it like everyone that had connor was like john o'connor or sarah like, right. yeah. it was a last name and then, then my parents decided to spell it the traditional Irish way, which is C-O-N-O-R, and no one understood that either. So, like, it was a whole cluster disaster of insanity, which is why, you know... <laughs> You're like a Norse Viking I, I, I actually, yeah, I actually pay attention <laughs> to people's names because I'm like, if I can try and figure out how to pronounce that without destroying it, that would be fantastic, which is probably as annoying as someone just saying it wrong anyway. But... We're sitting here today. Uh, Dan, we met, what, seven years ago? Yeah, seven years ago. Um, I had insurance for our chocolate, chocolate, chocolates through someone else. And when we opened the chocolate bar, which was a pretty complex thing insurance-wise, at least compared to the chocolate, chocolate franchises, uh, we had gone with the same insurance agent. And that company didn't really specialize in bars and restaurants and alcohol liability and all the complex things that could go on in in a place that's open around the clock and you know is serving alcohol so i was just getting killed on my insurance and i remember i don't remember who referred me to you do you remember who referred me i do absolutely so he was a a regular client of yours uh, uh i'll say cigar okay would it be steve Mahler? no freddie williams no health insurance guy Used to work Rick. Right? Rick. He yes. still works there. Yes. I gave him a hug today. No kidding. Every day I, I see mo- him. I thought he moved his. I thought he moved his place. I think he's got multiple offices, okay. but okay. he still gotcha. comes here every day. And when he's here, he comes in and gets coffee for everyone in his office. Oh my gosh! And he is. I kind of call him the the unicorn of Cottleville because I've seen him every day, day in and day out for seven and a half years now. And he's always in a great mood, and he's always always dressed in a perfect suit, and he's always taking care of everyone around him. Like, he comes in, he's got a post-it note stuck to his mug, and he's getting himself a black coffee, because that's what he drinks. And he's getting someone else in the office a juice, someone else in the office a latte, someone else in the office a scone, and he's just taking care of everyone. That's his personality, and he's <laughs> happy. Like, I've never seen him have a bad day. And so I really thought at some point that it was it had to be all an act, right? Like, you see someone right. that happy and that nice and that generous, you're like, eh, I bet if you hang out with them outside of this, they're miserable. So he kept inviting me and my buddy Freddie to go down to the Ritz Cigar Club Ritz, with yeah. him. You know, and we had put it off, put it off, put it off. And then one day me and Freddie were like, we just got to get this done because we got to hang out with Rick. We got to see what this is all about. <laughs> we were both big time into cigars and we'd never been there. So call up Rick and he invites us down. And of course he takes care of everything while we're there with him. He knows everyone in the club. He's happier 
as happy or happier than he is every day when I see him here. And then on top of that, you walk through the hotel with him. He knows every house cleaner, every front desk clerk, every server. He hugs them. He knows their name. He knows how long they've been there. Like the dude is just, I call him a unicorn because he's never been in a bad mood that I've seen him. And I've asked him, I said, Rick, how in the hell are you never having a bad day? He goes, every day I wake up and I'm alive. That's a good day. Wow. That's what he says. Because why wouldn't I be having a good day? I'm here. And that's it. That's the formula. <laughs> that's it. All right. That's because it. it really doesn't need to be that much more complicated. It's the end like, of the podcast. We no longer up. have anything to talk about. Yeah, that's you, it. That's the whole formula, folks. It's, you know, and he's just a, he's a, he's legitimately one of my favorite people to see on a daily basis. I got a few of them and he's right up there. And so Rick, if you're listening to this, thank you for referring me to Dan because he's taken really good care of me. And, uh, you know, then he comes in and buys some juice and some coffee and he gets to be a good friend now. Absolutely. Yeah, this this place, by the way, is just fantastic. I was so upset, not from an insurance standpoint at all, but from a, <laughs> this, this was the place like when me and my wife would hang out, like we'd come here and hang out on the patio and uh, I was listening to one of your other shows and, you know, drink some frou-frou drinks that you weren't all that fired up about people ordering. <laughs> they paid the bills though, man. They paid so many bills. Yes, yes. They kept us here, and I'm grateful for that because the coffee certainly wasn't keeping us here in the early days. In the early days, yeah. You know, the bar really kept us around long enough to make a ridiculous decision like, oh, just change the entire thing and then go and and make money on the thing that, you know, took you seven years to get even bearable. You know, because when we first opened, it was like, I remember sitting here with my lead barista and it was like, you know, 17 customers on the coffee side, like over an entire day. So you're talking like one or two an hour, maybe. And then the bar would be packed at night. So the bar like was covering our rear end. Yes. uh, yes. Because that hit immediately. Right. And, you know, it's wild to think back now when we roll hundreds of people through here a day just doing coffee, that that was even a viable option seven years ago or six years ago or five years ago when it was like, you know, one person on staff during the day, plus me making chocolate and helping out wherever he needed, but that was fine. Now we're at a point where we need three people in the kitchen. We need, you know, wow. four baristas on. It's it's just a different business now, but without the bar and you guys buying your chocolate martinis on the patio, <laughs> there would be no upshot coffee. That's just the simple fact of the way it worked. It's funny how you wind your way and you don't know exactly how you got there, but something like that led you to this. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, you just put one foot in front of the other and try to be as smart as you can be and make good decisions. And sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. And I've had both happen to me over the years and I'm sure it's going to happen to me a lot more. Uh, I certainly enjoy the, uh, when it goes right much more than (laughs) when it goes bad, (laughs) you know, and the follow out from that. And we've all experienced it. I mean, if we're being realistic, you know, You have good years, you have bad years, and you're just trying to figure out how to keep it somewhere, you know, in between those two. And really, I think the bad years make you really appreciate the good years. And I almost wonder if that's what they're actually there for is, you know, you're miserable for a year so you can go, oh my God, I haven't been miserable in like two months and things are going well and I like the people I work with and our customers like what we're doing and my wife and kids are happy and they still love me. And wow, this is really fun. Let's ride this out as long as we can. I mean, isn't that essentially what it boils down to when you look around and you realize everything's great and you go, I'm really going to enjoy this now. Cause I haven't had it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's tough, tough to get to that spot. And you know, how long are you comfortable when you're in that spot? This last go around was the longest it's ever been for me. And it was at least 
two, I'd say two years of being pretty feeling like I didn't know the way or that not being sure of when things were going to turn. And probably two years before that, that I was on the, the edge of that. It was the longest I've ever been. I've had a bad year followed by two good years before, but this was the longest like resetting ever, um, that I'd ever been through. And there was a lot of things mixed in with that outside of the business, you know, injuries, um, family stuff, uh, you know, business things where people really screwed me that I trust and I liked and, you know, really caught me off guard and really, I mean, it was amazing to me when you have people close to you that you trust and they, they go after your family and they hurt you in a way that you didn't perceive anyone that's a good person doing, it's really hard to bounce back from that for a while. And so it was a lot of those things where you just didn't understand why all of it was happening. And uh, you're really looking for the tools to find your way out of that. And you're really looking for the tools to, I don't know, not get stuck in it and learn from it. Because ultimately, like, when I started looking at it as a learning process instead of why is this happening to me process... I started being able to figure out not any real answers, but just allowing myself to try to learn from it and make good decisions and protect myself in the future from letting people do ridiculous things to me that I naively trust. So you mentioned one of the questions that you're, you know, why me? So when you switch over to the learning mode and get into that, what type of questions do you ask then? Um, I think one of the most powerful things early on, because... You know, after the first two years of being like, just not really sure where I wanted to go or what I wanted to do. And is this really what I want to do? And I would kind of look at it now as what people might consider like a midlife crisis, right? (laughs) I pushed and pushed and pushed, built all these things that I wanted to do. I had my wife and my kids in my house and my business was successful. And, you know, I kind of had hit this area that I'd always wanted my whole life and worked hard to get. And then I hit it and I was like, huh, you know, what now? Right. And then a couple things go wrong. And then, you know, you know, in my case, I had a bunch of pretty drastic injuries and then other people that, you know, just kind of did some things that I never expected. And all that combined just kind of pushed me further into that, like really questioning what is the point of any of this? Right. And I ask that question to myself pretty much daily now. But I I didn't ask myself that question for a long time. I just kept pushing forward, kept pushing forward. And when I finally destroyed my knee and that injury sat me at home for three months, not being able to put weight on it, my wife finally was like, it's time for you to get a counselor. Like, you're going to need to talk to someone. And I was like, you're absolutely right. So my good buddy Darren hooked me up with another guy locally named Brett, who has been phenomenal. He gave me a book called Falling Upward by Richard Rohr, which is a, uh, a Franciscan monk. And it's essentially... A book that talks about how, you know, we kind of have two lives. You know, you've got your first half of life, which is conquering, marrying, accumulating, you know, doing everything in your power to achieve all these goals you had when you were 10, 12, 16, 20, right? Like that's the first stage of life. And you've got a specific amount of tools that work for that, right? Right, Which in my case was ignoring everything around me and just pushing forward Mm -hmm. and, you know, Ever since, you know, even through childhood, it was, you know, it was a pretty rough childhood. And so there was some good things about it and there was some not great things like most people. Right. And, and, you know, the way I dealt with that as a child is I just put my head down and I just moved forward. Like Mm -hmm. I just didn't pay attention to anything. 
because it was easier just to get out than like fix everything around me. Right. And so right. I think I brought that into adulthood and business where I could ignore everything around me and just walk towards my goal. And at some <laughs> point that just stopped working. Right. Which yeah, is what this yeah. book talked about. And I never had thought about it that way, you know? And so and kind of explained in a very in-depth way that I'm never going to get close to making sound good on this podcast, but explained that, you know, those tools that got me to be where I was at 38, 37 mm-hmm. and had got me, propelled me to that point where I was able to do the things that I wanted to. At a certain point, those tools are kind of worn out. They stop working and you've got to sit back and really analyze the tools that you're going to use to then define the second half of your life, which isn't only about accumulating and, you know, bearing children and whatever it is that you want to do when you're young, you're trying to figure out the tools that make you kinder, wiser, smarter, patient, all these things that anyone that, you know, is, you know, 45, 55, 65, someone that you hang out with that you're just magnetically drawn to because they just seem to rub, say the right thing at the right time. They never interject with an opinion that you don't ask for. Like they're just wise, smart people that know when to be there and how to say things like how to transition to that versus the guy that's all wound up with anxiety trying to figure out how to, you know, yes. take everything you have to line his pockets. Yeah, absolutely. Like people that just love you for you and are just good guys to be good guys. There's no alternative motive. They're not be nice to you so that they can figure out how to take something. Right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's Which we're surrounded by a lot of those guys. And so when you find the people that just have good intentions for no other intention but their job to take care of other people it's a special thing and so we want to all try i think most of us want to try to figure out how to transition to be that guy that is you know (laughs) someone that most people want to hang out with (laughs) (laughs) that you know maybe you maybe you already are maybe you already are that guy I, i don't know what i am yet but i know that i i would like to be that guy and i'm going to do everything in my power in order to you know, find happiness in what we're given and influence people in whichever way I can that's helpful. Right, right. You know, and hopefully protect my family and make good decisions because it's a very complex thing to run a business, take care of a wife, be a good dad, be a good son, be a good son-in-law, all these things that we're expected to do. How do you do that? Well, uh, you know, I don't know. <laughs> well, I thought you were going to give us the no. answer. I thought I was like, "Oh, here it is." I, I invited you on this podcast so you would tell me what to do. You seem you seem so wise and smart and happy. I was like, "Dan's going to give me the answer. I don't have to read any more books, and I can drop I can drop one of my two counselors, maybe." No, <laughs> you ain't going to do that for me. No, no, no. I'm still trying to trying to figure that out on my own. <laughs> you ever hit a period like that? Yeah, like listening to hear you kind of work through it. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did what that, age did, did it that. hit you? I would say um, a couple of different times. Once I bought a G35 sedan for whatever reason, but like, what is that? Infinity. Infinity. Yeah. yeah. I was like, for some reason, I was just itching for something, and yeah. uh, it was cool for a second. Uh, but I was probably. 30 wasn't that bad at all. 30 was great for me. It was, it was like mid-30s when it started to, like... It was probably probably 36, 36, yeah. around, around when, when you were, it was coming your direction. Um, you know, all kinds of different things. Work and family and, uh, you know, at the time, I think we were 
probably not having kids and wanted to have kids and uh, the internet was coming around and we had uh, at that time I ran a big box store so we had all kinds What'd of stuff uh, down, right down the hill right down the hill from here we had uh, American TV and furniture oh yeah I bought stuff there <laughs> A lot of people did. It was pretty big. Yeah, I love that place. When they said they were closed, I was like, what the crap, man? Yeah, 185,000 square feet. You ran that whole store? It was myself and another guy that you might know, Will Klein. Oh, my God, Will? Yeah. From the Chamber of Commerce? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, he used to be. Yeah, right, Uh, right. Now he's not. He just, now me and him always, every time I see him when he comes in here, we talk about hiking trails because we're both big into hiking. And he's got a Facebook group that all talks about different hiking trails from Missouri that I joined so that I can see where everyone's going. Yes. Yep. Exactly. And he's exactly. a real estate agent for, is it still his, 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 his own, his own move, move realty. Okay. Move yeah. realty. Yeah. Yeah. So he left Keller and uh, opened his guys. own deal. So is yeah, that what yeah. took you into being an insurance agent? So uh, the internet was doing its thing, selling TVs, which now became thin and you could ship them. Furniture was about the only thing keeping the store afloat. Uh, appliances fell apart because you could buy those everywhere and the margins were super thin just the whole concept just rat and at the same time the housing downturn happened also like just ah that was brutal i thought i gotta figure out something else to do and it was a horrible time of life trying to figure out what it is that you're going to do next and uh actually Took a little side gig. Some people uh, I knew were doing this consulting job. Knew it wasn't going to last, but I knew the money was pretty good. So you're willing to give it a go. Uh, like, <laughs> you're willing to pay me. I'm willing to willing to go this route. We'll see how long it lasts. I don't know if I want to stay here forever, but uh, some money in the bank account wouldn't be bad. Yeah. Did that for a bit, and then uh, a buddy of mine, crazy crazy guy. He was a in the past a sheriff. No, chief of police. He was the chief of police for a little town called Bellflower. He was a, uh, a rancher, had like horses and stuff. He was an over-the-road trucker, and he applied to be an insurance adjuster for some reason. And the guy interviewing him says, uh, hey, would you consider being an insurance agent? He says, no, that's sales. I'm not going to do that. He says, well, it pays about twice as much. He says, tell me about this agent he thing says, again. So tell me what it's like to be in sales. <laughs> So he ended up doing that, and he wasn't exactly uh, the, the world's greatest uh, corporate communicator by any stretch. He was very unconventional uh, with that background. And uh, sure enough, he took the job. He became like rookie of the year for the company. And the whole time, he's like, man, you got to come do this. This is a good gig. This is a good gig. You could do well. You're, you're good at communicating with people. People like you. Like, you should come do this. And finally, after a while, his boss kept calling me and Last call, he says, I got the money you want, location you want, everything you ever ask for, I've got it. If you tell me no today, I won't call you anymore, and I understand. <laughs> I said, well, you did kind of set it all up. Let's let's give that a go. And uh, that worked out well for about a year, and then they changed all the rules, and I, again, had another torturous period. You know. So you went with one company to do the exact thing that you wanted to do and he wanted you to do and then they changed everything on you what did you have to switch companies i had to yeah oh. yeah got one of those basic corporate emails that never comes from corporate and you're like oh there must be something to this and it was very factual very cut and dry no flavor to it no hey we're making big changes was, hey we're making a few changes and we'll bullet point <laughs> one of them is you <laughs> <laughs> 
and thank you. Basically, Thanks for the email. I'm gonna go outside my car and put the the uh, tailpipe hose in real quick. And uh, yes, yeah, it, I it, just bounced back. I don't want to do this again. Screw it, it, it wasn't that quick realization, but I read it and I'm like, I think this is bad. <laughs> I think this is bad. I think it's really bad. However, I got stuff to do. Let me file this away, and I'll I'll circle back to it at some point. About two weeks later, I read it, read it, read it, and I go, oh. Grab one of the other guys in the office. I'm like, hey, man, what does this mean? And he breaks it down just the way I broke it down. I'm like, I had to quit, don't I? <laughs> he goes, pretty much. Pretty much you do. Unless you want so they didn't like lay you off, but they no. just made it clear that you should start looking. They, they changed the whole pay structure in a way where um, <laughs> you were talking with John Harder, talking about how jealous, not jealous, that wasn't the word you used, how from a business owner standpoint with the highs and lows, yeah. how cool it could be to have a Study nine to five job or you yep. know work three hours a day 11 to two or whatever it is that people put in a hard six with a two-hour lunch yes yes <laughs> you know whatever whatever works and then then you know forget about it and go home be with your family you know not having any of the stresses and all that and he goes you know if that's what you're looking for you can kind of have that here however you might get the random phone calls about claims and stuff like that is but yeah you're you're ceiling's limited you you know they forever put a cap on you and you'll never doesn't get what they promised that, you i've heard this a lot from good buddies of mine that are high producers in sales and one thing i can't really figure out and i i know the reason but i can't understand why it's more valuable to a company but it seems like whenever a company hires you and then you go out and you develop a territory and you destroy right yes, yes. and you make a ton of money because you put the work in why do they always restructure your bonus structure <laughs> after you perform? It is the because craziest thing. All it does is everyone I've ever talked to is it demotivates you because you're like, screw this. I put all mm -hmm. this work in. I made a ton of money for the company. I made good money for myself. It was worth it. And now they're going to cut my commission by X amount and change all these things. And they still want me to work the same amount as hard. Right. And I made them a lot of money, so why are they trying to claw back on everything now? Because it's not like they're giving the money back. Right. Yeah, but why there's... do companies do that? Why do, you go, why do you bring a killer in, let him kill, mm -hmm. and then as soon as he kills, you go, oh, well, man, I'm really glad you brought in like an extra $10 million last year to the company that was like a $2 million territory last year. Uh, now we're going to not pay you. Right. Because all right. you do is you leave. Yes. Yeah, so you go... what is the point of that? I have no Don't you want idea. to retain your good people? If a guy can go out there and produce like that, don't you want to pay him what he's worth and retain him? Yes, yes, absolutely. Like, why, yet, would, why wouldn't you? Right. That's and the and especially when you're a sales job with commission. Like, you it's, know? Yeah, you're only making money when you're making them money. So it's a win-win. And it's like every time there's a win-win that you guys are both like, oh, we should both be really happy. Someone gets greedy and goes, no, nah, I'm only I'm going to be happy. You're going to have to go work harder now. Yeah. And they like... Your, your cut is too big. Yeah. And it's I can like, see your pie and it's prettier than mine. No matter what business I've ever been in, everyone you do business with is always trying to figure out how to take a bunch more for themselves and leave you with nothing. Mm -hmm. And I can't figure out why people in business can't just go, let's all make a good living here and build each other up and let's all be successful. Why does one person have to be living on peanuts and the other person can have a private, like needs a private jet. Yeah. Like, why can't we both just, you know, afford a smaller aircraft and work really hard together? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs>
Yeah, yeah, especially when they're not spoon feeding you. You know, no. if you're if you're actually doing, I your, get it. You if know, you make like five hundred thousand dollars a year salary and you're just in the office, and you know, maybe they can replace you or whatever. You're just a big, big expense. But when you're only getting paid based on production, it surprises me when they want to yes. they want to de- destabilize your ability to produce. They design the margins. They set the the game up. It's. <laughs> But it's just like this yo-yo effect that we have in business, which is like set something up for success. As soon as it's successful, tear it down and rebuild instead of just organically letting that thing grow and taking care of people. Yep. Yeah. A friend of mine, he uh, runs a half the country for a medical device company. He's one of the divisions. He's he, about to get cut. He's, he's doing good. <laughs> so yes. So yes. They, they call him. They're like, yep. his boss calls him like, Hey man, uh, I don't know how to, but uh, you should probably freshen that resume up. <laughs> oh my God, dude. You don't have to have it done today, but like but over like the tomorrow next morning, few my months. breakfast would be a really good idea. Over the next few months, things are, and sure enough, they were planning on switching over to a call center instead of, you know, the, the hunters that they had. You know, just call center environment. Well, that went for about that transition was trying to work for about three months and then they called him when he thinks he's getting fired. <laughs> and they call him back like, hey, uh, that resume thing, don't worry about it. <laughs> the, the call center is a train wreck. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to keep going business as usual. We're, we're already making money, so we're just going to keep making money this way. Yeah, it's like, that's so, obvious. Why so, did you try to change so it So I'm anyway? not going to be fi- like. <laughs> well, in that case, like, you know, a lot of people that are really valuable like that have done a good job and are well-connected can replace that job to some degree. Mm-hmm. And so if you're that business, you risk losing this guy that's glue to save a couple bucks, and then you decide it's a train wreck and you've made a mistake. But there's a good possibility he's already left you and gone somewhere else. So, like, they got lucky yes. and he hadn't done that yet. And how much would they pay a recruiter to go find him again? Yes. How much would they pay to... Pay a recruiter. It's like, just a bunch of people sitting around with a notepad going, we can save 1.2% here. Well, uh, that gets rid of someone that's like, you know, built us into this really successful company. And, you know, at the end of the day, I think we should take care. Nope, 1.2%. Hire the guy out of college. <laughs> that'll lose us 5% because he has no idea his ass from his hand. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this guy probably would be a hundred or $200,000 to a recruiting company yep. if they were able to take him away. And they're about ready to just let him walk. We business, had, uh, it's so smart. We're all so smart, right? The longer you're in business, don't you look around and go, I'm surrounded by idiots. <laughs> and you think, maybe I'm the idiot. And, and I uh, can't figure that out because I, I literally look around in my day-to-day life outside of business, just all around. And I go, I am surrounded by short-sighted, stupid people <laughs> that are greedy. Not, not everyone I know, but there's right. a lot of them out there. Right. And then I go, wait a minute. Maybe I'm the stupid one. <laughs> Maybe they, they figured it out, and they're going, who brought this guy? Jesus. C- certainly you've got some other people that you're closer to that, are, that, that see the, the future in the longer term, right? Oh, I've got people all around me. I'm talking about in like a general population sense, yeah, yeah, the way yeah, that we yeah. make decisions um, from a, even to like a development standpoint, environmental standpoint, uh, business long-term business health standpoint you know so my impression that's good for 20 years versus 
what gets you, you know, a bonus this quarter. My impression of you when we first met, one of the impressions was that you weren't exactly into health and fitness really at all. No. <laughs> I was into making money at that point. And now I'm like, a few of the things you've done over the years, I'm like, what's he doing? <laughs> All this health stuff. And then you came out with the triathlon? Yeah. I'm like, what's he it. doing? I love it. <laughs> you know, I think I at some point realized I was chasing a bunch of things that really didn't do anything for me. And it, it really was a point where I, you know, Looked around, I go, because I used to watch a ton of football, mm -hmm. a ton of baseball, play like four fantasy football teams. Yes. You know, I did all of these things, right? That and, was, that, you were still yeah. doing all that when I first met yeah. you. Like that was my life was sports and, and work and making money. And, you know, that was about it. And then, you know, when I kind of went through that period, I started to reanalyze everything I was spending my time on. And I was sitting there calculating the amount of time I wasted watching sports that really did absolutely nothing for me. They entertained me, but I wasn't growing. I wasn't learning. I wasn't playing the football with my kids. I was watching some grown men in tights play it. You know, <laughs> don't get me wrong. I still enjoy a sporting event. However, I will watch a sporting event when it's convenient for me with the right people. Mm -hmm. My life is not developed around being home for the sporting event. And that's how I used to operate. Like I would... You know, everything was circled around that. And I just sat there and I go, I only have so much time left on this earth, right? And if I spend 10% of my week watching football and baseball and talking about football and baseball and then listening to sports radio all day while I make chocolate, like, what is that developing in me? Am I going to look back at 55 and go, wow, you watched a lot of Cardinals baseball. That's really special. <laughs> or am I going to look back at 55 and go, man, you wasted a lot of time when you could have been hiking with your kids, taking your wife out on a date, spending quality time with other people, investing in the employees in your business, hosting a podcast where you get to talk to people you care about that are interesting. Whatever it is, read a book. Yes. Something yes. that is engaging with the environment around me is making me, in my mind, somewhat better. And hopefully I don't regret the time that I spent doing that. And I know that the conclusion I came to was that I, I was going to regret the amount of time I wasted doing dumb things. Yes, yes, yeah. So football funny. It was like, I think my daughter was maybe two, I think. And at that time, maybe I knew the Rams were going to be leaving town. And, you know, and the team was terrible. That, that team was apart. terrible. That helped, that helped move me because yeah. that was like... That was the moment for me. When my kids were born, I was such a huge Ram fan that every July when they had their open training camps, me and the boys. Yes, the yeah, we'd go thing, up there too, yeah. We, since it, the, I mean, from the first year they were born, I mm -hmm. would take them. It was me and them. But, you know, Stacy, it wasn't their thing. It was father-son time. Yep. And we would go up there and we'd throw the football around. We'd watch practice. We'd stand in line. They'd get their autographs. I saved all the jerseys and footballs. And it was like the one tradition that I really had with them. Yep. And I was all in. And when they left, that's part of what helped me make the transition from kind of ripping the shield off of what sports were to me yes. and looking at them and going, oh, this actually isn't about anything other than making money. And that helped start that transition where I go, none of these people care about anything other than making money. Yeah. Why, am I, yeah. why am I so attached to this and spending every waking moment thinking about it when... It doesn't matter. Like, none of this matters. 
Right, right. <laughs> yes, yeah, Stephen Jackson, I know for sure, was a client of yours here. Great dude. Yeah, absolutely. Great dude. So back then, I, I got to be friends with quite a few of them. Stephen was a good buddy of mine back in the day. Tori Holt, uh, Dre Bly, great friends. Orlando Pace, all those guys. I and, still see that dude all over at basketball games and everything, and I still oh, yeah. can't believe the size of that guy. He's huge. He's huge. So just fantastic guys. The team was awesome back in the day. Greatest show on turf, all that type thing. And then, you know, as we saw what happened with them, like things got bad. And I'm playing fantasy football and it's Sunday and I'm trying to flip the TV on any second I could get. I'm trying to grab my phone and check the scores and the whole day distracted from my family and being angry because I'm not plugged into fantasy football. And at the oh, same yeah. time, being angry that I'm not also plugged into my family. So I'm really not, you know, one foot over here, one foot over there and just mad. I was like, that's it. I'm done. It causes anxiety because if you're watching the game, you have anxiety because you know subconsciously you're ignoring your family. Yes. And yet if you're paying attention to your family, you've got anxiety because you want to be watching the game. And why won't they let me? Yeah. <laughs> but either way, you're not happy. Exactly. So that was it. I was done. I was Extract done. yourself from a situation that's a no-win is you know kind of what I came to. I was listening to a buddy of mine. He was on a podcast the other day, and he's a healthy guy. And the guy that was talking to him was like, I'm jealous of you. When we go to lunch, you don't have a decision to make. Like, I'm figuring out whether or not I'm having fries. <laughs> that decision's already made for you. You've got such a simple life. And that was what it was on uh, Sunday football for me. I was like, I'm, I'm finished with it. I'm just... Yep. And when the team left, I was like man, I'm going to get some phone calls and I'm going to be, but I was already done with it. Yep. And I'm like, man, phone calls are going to come in and I'm going to be angry about this and they're going to be angry and we're going to get more angry together. And I'm like, nah, I'm not going to do that because that's not going to serve me. That's not going to help me. I, and I don't want to feel that way. And so I said, what can I do to be grateful in this moment for this event? I was like, my first thought was, that's impossible. That cannot happen. I'm like, but the question's there and I've got to answer it or at least try. I said, okay, I'm willing. And all of a sudden, like a flash of lightning came to me. I'm thankful that the Rams came to St. Louis. They were horrible leaving LA, came to us, <laughs> you know, polished it up. And next thing you know, we got a Super Bowl. Yep. I'm like, I was at the right age, at the right time, at the right place. I got to meet the coolest guys and got to experience possibly the most entertaining football of all time. I would agree with that. Getting to go to Super Bowl parties and just like, it was, I, I got to do it. It served its purpose. Celebrity auctions, bowling event, like, yes, it totally served its purpose. I'm like, so if anybody should be mad about us stealing the Rams from LA and then giving them back a total terrible team, should be them, not me. I should be thankful that we had that little slice of life and little slice of heaven as I thought about it. I'm like, this was amazing that this happened. And now LA's stuck with Stan Kroenke and all his disasters. So, I mean, now it's not our problem. Yeah, They exactly. got what they wanted. And he got what he wanted. And they're going to be miserable together. Because you're only miserable when you're with Stan Kroenke. <laughs> <laughs> if Rick Gary was with Stan Kroenke. Rick Gary would have a bad day. I know that for a That's fact. That's his kryptonite. <laughs> I mean, so I ran into uh, uh, Tori Holt's wife, Carla, and we had a br brief exchange. They had a, a game down at the Dome, a kind of reunion game and everything. 
We're like, oh my gosh, so good to see each other. And she goes, hey, I got a question for you. When the Rams left, what was that like for you? And I'm like, what was that like for you? And we just kind of looked at each other. I go, and I told her that story. And she goes, that was exactly the same way we felt about it. She's like, they're talking all this LA Rams, Super Bowl and all this stuff. And they're like, they can't steal that from us. That happened in St. Louis. That's ours. Yeah. And forget all this other stuff that everybody else is talking about. Like, and recently, Isaac Bruce went into the Hall of Fame as a St. Louis Ram. Yes. Yes. And they cut Orlando Pace's speech down like seven minutes. They trimmed every St. Louis reference out that he yep. said. Didn't edit anybody else's And that's speech. a league we want to give our time and money and energy and emotions to. Because like you, like I remember I was picking up, I think I was picking up Oliver from basketball practice. And... It was a night that we were hosting a small group for church at our house. And so I had probably 20 people at my house. And I got the notification that, you know, it was announced they were leaving. And all mm-hmm. the way up to the end, I was in denial. I was like, this is just a great negotiating tactic. You know, they're right, not going. Right. I really believed. I was all in. I drank the Kool-Aid. They're not going. And so I remember when that hit, it was not only kind of ripped my heart out because it was taking away all these traditions that I would planned on building with my family yes. forever. Um, but it also was surprising because I didn't expect it, even though everyone in the world knew it was happening and right. I was just in denial. And I remember I went home and essentially still had like 20 people in my house and I, I just sat down. I don't think I said a word. I went to bed that night. I was ang- <laughs> like, it, it was like the exact reaction I would imagine I would have if I was picking up Oliver from basketball and someone called me and told me that, They'd seen Stacy like in a car with another man making love, <laughs> like that feeling of like I don't. You I'm, went I'm all disappointed. The way I'm angry. I'm hurt. I don't like. I can't even express this. I'm just so perplexed as to why my wife is in a car with another man in the Target parking lot again. Again. <laughs> I mean, I'm not a. I'm not a. I'm a lousy person, but I mean, just, just stop, please stop doing that. <laughs> At Target. At Target of all places. I, a lot of our friends go there regularly. It's embarrassing, okay? Go do it at Dollar General. No one will notice, okay? Have some, just be considerate. <laughs> Dollar General. Dollar General. No one's paying attention. Aldi's, they're too busy looking for their quarter. <laughs> oh, my God. So, winding that back, <laughs> Rick told me to call you. I call you. You give me a quote that was like a third of what I was paying. And it starts this relationship where you've done really good at taking care of me. You don't bother me too much. You don't have too many questions, which is the way I like. Like, if everything's working, I don't really want to have to review it 30 right, times. right. Um, and every time I call you or have a question, you get back to me immediately. It's been a beautiful relationship and I've appreciated that about working with you. You consistently go out of your way to, to come in and give us business. So all that fun stuff being said, like if you guys are out there trying to figure out how to ensure your business and your home and all these things with someone that you can actually trust that is going to take care of you, that's going to be competitive. And then as if you have a business or something is going to probably support it. I would suggest calling Dan Lewigs right now. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. And when that you call lot. him, be like, hey, uh, so you want to go to an L.A. Rams game with me? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Just troll him <laughs> relentlessly. 
That is so funny. So what do you do with all the free time that you spent, you know, messing with football and the Rams? Like, what do you dedicate that time to now? Yeah, you talked about uh, hiking. So hiking is something that uh, we enjoy. It turns out, apparently as a family now, collectively, we enjoy biking more. Oh, biking's great. So my daughters, uh, especially my oldest one, just loves biking. Absolutely How old is loves she? It. She is seven. Seven. Okay. So your kids are young. Yeah. Seven and six. Yeah. So wow. both, both daughters. Yeah. Seven and six. Yeah. Yeah. But she loves uh, getting out to Klondike and. Oh my God. I love Klondike so much. Oh, it's Do you ever go out there and just sprint that hill up to the bluff? No, I never have. Do it. <laughs> it sounds hard. It's hard, but it's fun. And you know what? Challenge one of your kids to race you because so, they'll so learn to the... compete. You know where the lodge is, right? Oh, yeah. So I have ran that hill. Oh, yeah. So the one that you're not supposed to trespass on? Yeah. <laughs> I did run that one once. You just didn't see the sign. It was, rain- it was raining. I didn't know there was going to be a sign. You were insured. <laughs> I w- <laughs> one thing I know about you in the woods, somewhere where you weren't supposed to be, you were insured fully. For sure. But I wanted to get up there, and I wanted to see that. And it was pouring down rain, and I couldn't drive there. I'm like, let me get there as fast as I can, and then I pass up that no trespassing sign. I'm like... Ah, that doesn't apply to it's me. the fastest way to get to where I want to go, and I won't be trespassing up there. <laughs> <laughs> it's just temporary. I remember the first time I found that park, I think we were living in uh, Maplewood at the time, and some of my friends from out here were like, you got to see this place. So I took the kids out there, and you know they were like the age where they're still like crawling and playing with dump trucks in the gravel yeah, type yeah. of age, whatever age that is. Right. You know, they're not doing anything too crazy yet so i remember we took them and i was like i sat there and i looked around you know it's, it's a quarry that they turned into a lake and it's surrounded by all these incredible bluffs and there's campsites and you know there's a big overlook looking you know down on the river and you can see labity and mm-hmm. st albans and all these other areas and it's jaw-droppingly beautiful for missouri it, yeah i remember yeah. sitting there with my kids going how does no one else really talk about this minutes away Do we underappreciate our parks so much that no one talks about this and it's literally, what do you think, it's 15 minutes from yeah. 94 and 40 or St. Charles area? Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe. You yeah. go up there, it's like being in a different country. It's like 22 minutes from my house. And white, yeah, and people, I mean, it's like white sandish gravel all around the quarry that your kids, like our kids just sat down and played with their dump trucks. You know, there's people fishing off the bridge. It's, it's incredible. So if you're listening to this and you live anywhere near St. Louis, go out to Klondike Park and hike around, camp, whatever you got to do. It's absolutely gorgeous. And when I go out there, there's not a lot of people. So I know it's not just that I don't hear people talking about it. A park that beautiful, that close to everyone, just like my passion about the library. It's free. <laughs> it's awesome. Why is no one else here? Yeah, yeah, no kidding. What, what about when you go there, the people that you do see that are at Klondike, what, are, what do you see? Uh, yeah, I don't know that I've ever really paid attention. Everybody's just happy and joyous and like almost in disbelief that the beauty is all around it. Like, you know, it's like they're on vacation. I'm so involved in that that I don't even pay attention to what you're feeling. (laughs) That's going to be my next area of self growth (laughs) is to actually look at how you're enjoying the moment, not just be like, this is the greatest thing ever for me. It's just so unusual topography. And, you know, the we, we ran into some scientist out there, right? Like mom and dad, and they were so proud of their doctor level scientist daughter. And I'm like, hi, how are you? And 
you guys are checking out some stuff. And she goes, look at this. And I'm like, what are we looking at? It looks like a rock. And she goes, no, this. It's a prickly pear. I'm like, what is a prickly pear cactus? I don't know. You can eat them. You can eat them. You can uh, pick little pricklies out of your finger for the next couple of hours. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And you don't see them. So we all got to experience that as a family for a few hours. I didn't know they had those out there. I didn't know either. I wouldn't have known had I not said hi to this lady. Do you just walk around saying hi to people? Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> this this may have been my kids or whatever it was, but my kids uh, attract people to come talk to us. So you're hiking, you're biking, you're enjoying the ages of seven and six, which I you know I remember like when I really really started enjoying my kids was like that four to five range when they Mm -hmm. can go on a walk with you, throw a football, hold a conversation. It wasn't the first six months. That's what it wasn't. No, (laughs) my wife loved it. And I remember just looking at her and just being like, cause I don't hide anything. Like I'm horrible at like just telling you what you want to hear. So my wife would be like, uh, so this has been really fun. I'm like, I don't really get it. Like the thing lays there. Like, what is it? What's it doing? Not is it How not, long does this go on for? Like, when does it start doing something? And you don't get to ever hold your own child. No. Well, somebody I mean, else I, is always over and taking them from I did, and you. I enjoyed holding them, but it was like, you know, 20 minutes of holding them was fine. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that was good. And in reality, like, the, you know, my wife really legitimately enjoyed sitting there and holding him for hours on yes. end. And she actually, like, we've talked about it since. She actually loved that period of when the kids just needed her and you know, would lay on her and sleep and cuddle and all these things. Cause now they're, they're 12 and 14 and they're not rolling to cuddling, <laughs> hugging or talking, you know, like they're, they're like, Hey, uh, could you stop touching me please? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, I always had this joke. Both my kids are like, so like, how, how was school? Good. And fine. Good. What, fine. uh, what did you learn today? Mm, not much. So can you tell me something great about school? It's over. Like every answer. Are you looking forward to basketball practice tonight? Yeah. All right. Well, this has been a fun conversation. I'm going to go in the other room and read a book, I think. Yes, it's so challenging. And even if you come up with the good creative questions. Oh, yeah. To get that answer. It's one word answer. I don't remember. And, I, you know, <laughs> I honestly think. With my kids, especially when you see them right after school, they're kind of worn out from school and they're just not real interested in having a long conversation. Yeah. <laughs> kind of yeah. reminds me of like when I come home from work, I don't always necessarily want to immediately go into a really deep conversation. Sometimes I just want to like, you know, read the news, mm-hmm. see what happened, relax for a minute and then, then engage. So maybe I'm just approaching it wrong. So a buddy of mine, uh, I don't know if you know him or not, but a guy named Larry Hagner, he uh, talked about that when he comes home from work. And he's like, before I get home, I decide what I want to be and what I want the house to be like when I come in. And if I'm not ready for that, you know, maybe I drive around the block, maybe I park in the driveway, but, you know, I take a little bit of time and just kind of disconnect from what I've been doing and engage the household that I want to walk into. He's like, what I had been doing was walking in and reacting to whatever was going on. Yep. And fallen suit and, you know, mirroring them, matching up with them. He's like, nope. Now I decide if I want to go in and I want to have fun, I want to be Superman, I want to throw the kids around, I want to get things moving, I do. If I want to have fun, if I want to joke, if I want to love on my wife, whatever it is, I I set the tone and I set the mood rather than, uh, you know, the kids being sleepy from school or whatever. So I was like, all right, I'm going to do that. 
So oh my gosh. So how long have you been doing your insurance store gig? So it's been uh, eight years now. So I got you right in the beginning. Right in the beginning. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Was that your first client? <laughs> pretty close. Yeah. Yes. Pretty close. Yeah. Pretty close. You're, that you're... means you could never screw me because I'm the key. <laughs> I think you were. <laughs> I think you were my second commercial client, and both of a, both of both pretty fantastic. That's so amazing. Like, yeah, one one was a painter, and uh, I happened to be insuring his daughter when she was buying a house. And well, hey, what do you do for work? And oh, you work for a painting company, and you got all kinds of insurance problems. No kidding. Maybe I can fix those for you. I'm the guy. <laughs> and it was a pretty good sized painting company. Still insure it today, also. And but, uh, you know, I think from my experience, what I learned from you is you're a broker, right? Mm-hmm, so you right. work with a ton of companies, right? And before, what I was doing was I was working with, you know. A, a large company that basically just sells their own insurance. Right. So they're right. not bidding it out. They're not trying to find the right fit necessarily. They're just fitting you into what it is that they have to offer. And in my case, what I needed, that company didn't really do. So what I found out is they had subbed it out to someone else because they just really didn't insure that, but then they would then mark that up. Mm-hmm. So it was the same thing you did, but three times the price because wow. they didn't actually want to do it. When I went over to you, you said, well, I think I know the right company that we can put this with. And you right. sounded very confident. And I was like, he's been doing this for 10 years. This is great. This guy's incredible. <laughs> Day three. <laughs> and uh, you, you bid it out. You got me the right fit. It was simple. It's never been an issue. We were able to switch over chocolate chocolate to you. And they both function pretty well together every time I need something. Because I don't file anything. So you're my file. Yes, yes. <laughs> I call you. Oh, my God. I need the workman's comp certificate. I need the... Uh, the coverage page and your your girl Vicky, right? Yep, exactly. Vicky yeah, Vicky, right Vicky's on over. pretty it makes fantastic. Makes my life so much easier. Yes, yes, it makes my life easier too because Vicky's great. <laughs> what is now? What is your average day like? How do you generate business? How do you how do you build that? What is what is what is it that you've been able to do that's been successful? Because I think insurance agent is always a it's a career that I think a lot of people could get into if mm-hmm. they weren't scared of you know I guess being yeah, in sales yeah. or. You know, I think a lot of people might consider it to be boring. Boring. So that was the reason why, that was the reason why I would not get into it. I hear that a lot. So my crazy friend who's not boring, I'm like, how in the heck can that work for him? There must be something to it. And then this, once I started, I was like, I'm not doing it the same way everybody else is. I'll do it that way for a bit until I can figure out a better way to do it. And at the time I told my boss that I'm like, it was day one. And I was like, that's it. That's your formula. <laughs> like I'm not doing that. I'm not calling through the phone book. I'm I'm just not. And he's like, what that are you was it. Do? It was cold was, calling. Yeah, he's like, he's like, I'll get you a list. You just call through this list. I recommend you hire somebody else to actually make the calls, and then you know you take you care go of it golf after that. and play in scrambles and stuff. No, then then you you know do everything that the person gives you to do and blah blah blah. And I was like, I'm not. I'll do that for a while. But yeah. as soon as I figure out a better way, and uh, Zig Ziglar's got that quote: If you help enough people get what they want, you'll yep. get what you want. And so I just took that philosophy and tried to figure out a way to help as many people, um, you know, that were in a position, especially if they were in a position of influence where they could help me if they chose to. Right. Um, and I just looked for people and personalities that I got, got along well with. Who do you not get along well with? Ah, thankfully, I've got a personality where I get along with a lot of people. I say, you don't seem like someone that would like just really get annoyed too easy no no it's super patient don't get annoyed easily 
Um, I mean, you put up with me for eight years. You're 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 a pretty fantastic personality. <laughs> so we've seen the uh, the growth of Connor Van Buskirk, the Norseman from the Viking days. That's right. <laughs> I am a Viking. I'm 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 pretty sure. <laughs> There's was, no evidence, but I'm going to go with that. I was like, this guy's a crazy wild man Viking when I met you. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty accurate. I mean, even the concept of doing this place with absolutely no experience in really any of it was just crazy and stupid and insane. And it seemed like at the same time you had your plenty of confidence, knew what you were doing. I was faking it, Dan. <laughs> just like you when I called you and I was like, this guy's been around for 10 years. This is great. He's been doing this since he was in diapers. <laughs> <laughs> the thing I had was the back office support because they had been around and yeah. blah, blah, blah. So as long as I, I fell, uh, fell in line with what they had to say and show me. So you connect with people like Rick, who is very well connected because he's nice and he takes care of people. Mm -hmm. And it's generally, from what I can tell, is never really a selfish, motivated. I would say he's a perfect example of Zig Ziglar, too. He's just doing nice things for other people. And if that ends up helping someone and then they want to help him, great. But I don't ever feel like there's even an expectation of something in return. No. Which takes all the pressure off. And then you get to make the decision, oh, you know it'd be really nice to return a favor. And I really like him and I appreciate him. Let me do that. And it's never like, oh, you did something nice. No, let me do something nice for you where you just feel like the whole thing's a setup anyway. Because we all have those too. Yes, yes, yeah. Whereas, you know, you can see that person come from a mile away and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they do something and then you can immediately tell it's a setup for what you're going to get to do for them. Exactly. Yes, yes. It just stinks when that situation shows up and pretty easy to spot these days so sweet green is pretty fantastic by the way yeah that's the first time you've had that one that's it is you know when we when we did our first green juice i like you can't see it but i'm drinking sweet green juice it's got uh, kale spinach pineapple apple ginger lime and lemon doesn't necessarily sound delicious but it is it's fantastic (laughs) a lot of pineapple yes and I had the, uh, I don't know, another green juice, the clean green. I can't remember every ingredient in it, but it was delicious. <laughs> I should probably talk to the owner and find out what he put in there. <laughs> I kept my label on it so that I would know. Smart man. See, that's a, you're always outsmarting me. I peeled mine off, threw it away. You're over here with your tag on. You probably filed that with Vicky, and I'll have to call you for that later, and you'll email it to me real nice. So tell me about your pod that you're doing now, because when I... How did this even come up? I reached out to you probably for something at my year-end insurance deal, and you said, hey, you're doing pods. How did that even happen? I know you remember because you filed it for me. Oh, well, <laughs> I, th- I think I sent you a note because it may have been our friendversary on Facebook. Oh, uh, okay. And then you're like, hey, glad you reached out. I need something. And I'm like, about right. well, I'm glad you responded because I kind of been wanting to talk to you about something anyway. That's amazing. <laughs> What's this podcast you're doing? And like, you know, when do you do these? And like, let's put this together. Like, let's go, baby. Yes, yes. Now we're both walking around with SD cards in our pockets so that we can record podcasts. And... I actually never know where my SD card is. <laughs> <laughs> As you found out, I got everything set up and I'm like, oh, crap, I got to go find my SD card. It's definitely not in this uh, Zoom mixed thing whatever i'm using here i don't even know the name for this thing but it works pretty well so when you start doing yours you should definitely get one of those 
Okay. Yeah, I'm like, I'm trying to figure out what, what the style is and everything else. I, I keep having some pretty cool people say yes, and uh, it can get pretty intimidating a little bit when you've got... Just, you know, just do what you did when you took your job, and I called you. Just act like you know what you're yes, doing. Yes, right, right. Understand that, like, you know, you're new at it, and take all your ego and pride out of it, put it out there, and if everyone goes, well, the audio is horrible, there's an echo, you don't really know what you're doing, uh, you go, yeah, that's that's kind of true. <laughs> and then a couple other people will be like, well, I got a lot out of it. That was really neat. And you go, that, that makes me feel good. And at the end of the day, who cares? Mm-hmm. Yeah. While they're yeah. all dissecting it, just line up your next guest and just keep it going. So I've, I've got Saturday, I've got one coming up. Oh. Interviewing a guy. So what's the name of it? Uh, the Christian Dad Podcast. The Christian Dad Podcast. Yes. Okay. Yes. And who are you interviewing? So there's a guy named uh, Chris Cochran. Out of Bentonville, Arkansas, he's an assistant principal, and he made a social media post, much like the post that you and I post, just something off the top of our head that you wanted to write for some reason so that maybe one person might read it and might go, huh, got a point there. Like the strippers and cocaine was a bad idea last night? (laughs) His was different than that. (laughs) He was was talking about like cell phone use and... uh, should you monitor your kids' internet usage and, you know, what's the boundaries around that? Should right. you, you know, what should you do? Should should you invade? Should you not invade? Like, you know, assistant principal, I've seen some stuff, folks. Like, and he kind of details a little bit. Anyway, that post got shared 51,000 times in two weeks. Really? <laughs> yes. How many followers did he have? Like a thousand. That's pretty impressive. Just so someone influential stumbled across that, retweeted, it, and then it went off. Then it went nuts. Then it went nuts. Uh, I Will you ask him if I can borrow that tweet? I need to gain some followers. It's <laughs> so like ABC News on their website today posted his post. Yes. So this thing's building some momentum. So I get to get to record with him on Saturday. <laughs> so what do you want to talk to him about? Just how cell phone technology, internet all these applications where you can send private pictures. Is that kind of like your goal is what should we be doing here? What is the correct, what, what is your opinion on how we kind of manage help and influence our kids without being Nazis and having them hate us because we're too intrusive? Yeah. Yeah. So I, so I hope to talk to him about a few things, being the Christian dad podcast. You can kind of figure out what that one's about. Buddhism. Right. (laughs) I'm going to tune in for the Buddhism. Appreciate that. <laughs> Episode 27. I don't know. But uh, so I want to talk to him about he's uh, newly married last couple of years. He's got an 11 month old, I believe, daughter. Uh, he is in that uh, uh, junior high-ish age range, the kids that he's around. I'm like, what's the transition from 11 months old to there? Mm. What do you see as potential things that might happen between there and here? By the way, how are you interacting with your wife? How important is your job? And he's a younger guy. He's not 36, 37, 38, having this revelation of, you know, he's, you know, where are you at? Where do you see? Right. What would you like a guy who's 36, 42 to give back to you? What'd your dad give to you? You know, where, where are you at? And what do you want to share with the world from your perspective? Uh, I already, I've talked to a guy a little bit and I know he doesn't know everything. And he knows he doesn't know everything. He's like, and this is kind of a little awkward. I made a post so one person could read it. 
<laughs> and now everyone wants exact answers from me like I know everything. Yes, yes, you know, and he's young, young guys. And I'm like, so it's kind of cool to talk to a guy in that spot. You know, what do you think about life? What do you think you need to know? What do you think other people need to know based on your professional job? Right. Like, so he's, he's just in a real interesting uh, segment of life right now. So that's your kind of your goal with that is to find different, interesting Christian based fathers that have experience in something that you don't necessarily have experience in and be able to let them tell their story and just have a conversation based on what may be interesting within that situation and help people learn from that person and from you. Yes, yes, absolutely. So originally it was so that I could learn from people, period. That was the whole point. And as long as I'm doing that and with business, I meet with people all the time anyway. Yeah. So I'm like, as long as I'm meeting them, why don't we just record that? Yep. And then maybe somebody else might add value, you know, get value from something that we talked about once. Often you have two minute conversations or something. You can't have a deeper conversation. And somebody says, I'd like to learn more. I'm like, well, that'd be cool if I had it recorded. Flip the recording to them. Hey, why don't you listen to it? Why don't you give me a ring back? So are you going to try and do all this over like Skype in the, in the phone? So we're going to use uh, some Zoom technology. Yep. Yep. So just like Skype, um, we're gonna, we've been using microphones like, just like the setup we've got here. I've got a place down in Chesterfield at the uh, Undivided Experience Center. So I got a little podcast studio in there. Uh, do you rent that? Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about that. Uh, it's a really cool space. Like you should totally check it out. I've never heard of this. It's new been around about a year they just started the podcast studio in there there's a whole bunch of media influencers uh the guy that runs it i was so humbled i was meeting with him and he goes uh so so our concept is we want to get about 30 or 40 people that have a take that have a little influence in life and that are good people so we want to share good stories and we'd like for you guys to um kind of collaborate we want to bring some followers into our Facebook page, or our website, drive traffic, and then you guys will benefit, we'll benefit. Uh, Randy Carricker, not Randy Carricker, uh, Tom Ackerman, okay. sports director for KMOX, is going to do his podcast out of there. That's awesome. Like, just all this cool stuff. So people stuff. can call this place, look it up, and rent it? Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's called? Undivided Experience Center. And it's in? Chesterfield. Chesterfield. Yep. It's right across the street from the mall. Uh, the 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 good mall, not the one by Top Golf, but the other one. <laughs> not the one that's being torn down by cranes right Correct. now, and being redeveloped. Correct. Yeah. Not the the loser of that outlet mall race. Yes, yes, not the loser. So the winner. So yeah, he's right across the street from there. It's just a beautiful location. We've done. And uh, is it only podcasting? He's got all kinds of other stuff there as well. So he's got a uh, financial planning company in there, and then there's a bunch of uh, Bunch of people kind of doing some startup stuff. John O'Leary from St. Louis has spoken there, wrote that book on fire, you know, New York Times yeah. bestselling author and a bunch of really cool people out of there. There's a, another organization called the Warrior Transition Network, basically helps military guys and also professional athletes once they've done their time and they get into regular life and they realize, oh my gosh, like, kind of like your knee injury. Oh yeah. You go into a depression period. I was in, uh, you know, when I got out of college, I went into a depression period because I wasn't, you know, involved in everything. I wasn't on TV or didn't run this or do that. What'd you do in college? I used to have a TV show. I used to have a sports talk TV show. Are you serious? Oh, yeah. (laughs) 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 And it was. Came in with hot takes every day. Oh, it was great. It was great. You walk around campus and people are like, hey, 
great to see you, man. How are you? And I'm like, who is this? And then they'd eventually start talking about the TV show. And I'm like, I didn't think anybody watched this. There's not supposed to be anyone watching this, guys. What are you doing? <laughs> it was so, so bizarre. You know, wrote for the campus newspaper, led a couple organizations. Do you that, still write? You know, strangely enough, I don't. Like, need not. To start. Yes. We need to put, you need to write me a blog. Okay. For the Two Pines and a Prayer okay. page that we're doing. We're, we're, every Friday, there's a blog written. It's been okay. me and my partner, Caleb, so far. You know, writing a, a take on something that has been affecting us and our vision on it and, you know, raising questions. And our goal with that was to get other people that are dads that now have an interesting thought, uh, a provoking thought maybe, or, you know, put something out there. And, you know, the goal for us, just like with this podcast, was just to challenge ourselves to do something else, mm-hmm. maybe get better at something, maybe, I don't know, just grow because I'm not sure any of my blogs are worth anything. But it has been an experience for me to actually put my thoughts on paper and then force myself to share that. And I'm not sure anyone's reading it, but it is exposing it there for when people do or they, whatever it is, it's taking a risk that you're putting your thoughts on paper and everyone can look at that and go, wow, this guy's a douche or, you know, whatever it may be. But at the end of the day, I'm learning how to write, to put my thoughts on paper and to express my viewpoint, which is really all I'm in it for. Mm-hmm. You know, so it'd be fascinating to get you. That would back be cool. To that would be that would be super just a challenging. Six hundred word simple blog that you know me and my wife and my partner and his wife might read. <laughs> Maybe that's probably it. You know, I actually get on my own blog every single time, <laughs> and, 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 I, and I read my blog and then I comment just so it has something, and I comment as myself, <laughs> and I always say like, "This is the next great Hunter S. Thompson or the next great," you know. I'm just Hemingway. Like, I, I, I can't help myself because I'm like, no one's reading this. So I'm just going to comment as myself on my own blog and give myself a huge compliment. Just so if someone ever does read this, maybe that will make them laugh at the end. From time to time, I'll do that on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> so that when somebody sees it, they're like, oh, somebody commented. I wonder what they said. Oh, it's just Dan again. My God, have you been working out, Dan? Your arms, like, I can see veins in your forearms and stuff, and I don't remember seeing that. You were really good looking. Thank you. And then make sure you like your own comment, too. That's something I see other people do, and I try never to accidentally even do that I'm going to start liking all my own comments just to trigger everyone. It's so funny when you observe other people doing it. Oh, my God. I've done it on accident I've a couple like, times. Yeah, I've done it on accident. Yeah, I'm like, And you used to not be able to fix that. Like, once you liked it, you were locked in on your own stuff. And now you can, like, click it and undo it and be like, whew, that was almost a disaster. People have two, two things, a like and a heart. And you look and you're like, oh, he hearted himself. Wow. <laughs> like, what are they doing? This guy's desperate for attention. <laughs> yes. So much so. So what do you want to do over the next 10 years? What's important to you? Obviously, you're raising your kids. They're six and seven. That's got to be a huge focus. Are they playing sports yet? Yeah, so they're into, uh, one of them's really into soccer, loves soccer. The other one's a little bit more diverse. She, lo- she lo- Well, they both love uh, softball. They both love softball. Um, so I enjoy coaching them with that, practicing, doing that type of thing. Uh, the other one likes uh, gymnastics a lot. And then they both enjoy biking and everything. So... And they just got into piano, so. What's the wife into? Uh, she likes, um, what does she like? <laughs> when you talk less and work more? 
<laughs> no, she wishes I talk more, actually. I'm like, I get done working and I come home. I'm like, I'm sort of talked out. Isn't that amazing? I'm like, I'm a little quiet now because I've been talking all day long. It's this weird thing, too, because people are like, well, does that mean that you don't enjoy your day job? Because I, I have the same issue. No, I love it. And I go, and I remember like having that conversation with Stacy many times because, you know, especially when I was working a lot and she was a stay-at-home mom. Yes. You know, I would come home after a day of talking to everyone and, you know, exploring every avenue of everything. And like, I would go into my day excited and I liked it and I did all these things and I'd get home and I'd be like, I'm just going to sit here quietly and read something or how is your day? Go for a run. And I'm just like, dude, I, I I got nothing left to say. And she's like, do you hate your job to where you can't talk when you come home? It's like, no, I love my job, but I've given like everything that I had. So just like your, just like your kids. How's your day, Connor? Fine. Fine. I did the same thing. I'm getting better at it, but it was the same deal. And then when she went back to work and she started working full time, all of a sudden that need to like, you know, suck all that information out of you because she's only been running around chasing kids. Yes. Goes away quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. I noticed when she went back to work and would work, you know, full time or part time and she those days when she was at work talking to customers and employees and whatever, like she'd come home and she'd be like... I'm just going to have a glass of wine and be quiet for a little while. <laughs> yeah, like, this is yeah. fantastic. So my wife is really enjoying uh, writing kids' books right now. Really? She's working on learning how to illustrate them also. Uh, so that's something like her... Uh, when I say, what is my wife like now? It's uh, not that she doesn't have something she likes. She's just all the time picking up something new. She finished our basement at our last house. She Is she willing to work on the side? <laughs> Everybody always asks her that. Because I hate construction work. And I didn't marry a wife, like a woman that wants to do it either. Right. So we're just at a standstill. It's literally a standup. Like we have a screen door going out to our garage that neither one of the kids have admitted it yet, but someone destroyed that screen door. So like at the bottom and the top, it's like bent in and hanging and it's, it's working, which means that I can ignore it for another 20 years and she can ignore it for another 20 years, but a normal couple would figure out how to fix that because I'm sure it's like two screws in like a, you know, 30 minutes on a Saturday. I think I'm going to walk past that door for the next 20 years until someone fixes it for me. And if I have to pay them or not, I don't know like how that's going to work. But I know that I avoid those little projects like the plague. That's great that your wife's not chirping on you every day. No. What a wonderful she doesn't wife want to do you it have. Because <laughs> that's, that's my theory is like if you come at me wanting me to do something... I'll just be like, well, you know, I'll get this one, but you're going to get the next one. Mm-hmm. She don't want to do either. So we just don't call each other's bluffs. <laughs> We're just like, someone should fix that door. We're probably going to have to eventually hire someone to do that. But for now, it's working. Yes, yes, yes. So, so yes. I need your wife to come over and do construction projects for me is what I'm saying, Dan. I'll text you her number. <laughs> <laughs> don't do that. I'll call her every day and be like, listen, I was thinking... Uh, the floor behind the toilet and the bathroom looks like it's coming up a little bit. If you wouldn't mind taking a look at that. If you could swing by, you know, today, maybe Saturday. And listen, I'm probably going to be like, you know, in the room reading a book. So maybe don't bother me while you're here. Just do the job and leave me alone because this is me time. <laughs> you perfect. She'd love me. She she does appreciate nobody watching her while she works. So that perfect from that. Yeah. So that, that's a fit. I can give that to her 100%. <laughs> so kind of next 10 years. So 
I thought I was doing a pretty good job of certain things a while back. And somebody once upon a time, guy who had, oddly enough, had all these patents on things like Starbucks was using his patents. and So he'd made some money. Guy's doing okay. There's a lot of people with patents that have patents that don't make any money, but yeah. when Starbucks and McDonald's are using them, you're doing okay. Guy's doing okay. And he says, you know, if money wasn't a thing for you, what would you do? And I said, man, I've thought about that a lot. And the thing about it is, is that uh, if I didn't have the day job, I don't know how many people that I would talk to. Uh, and it forces me to talk to a lot of people. And through that, I'm able to talk to them about, you know, things that are important and whatever. And occasionally I even get the opportunity to talk to them about what's really important and helping them advance their, uh, you know, their relationship with Christ. And it doesn't happen all the time, but it, you know, it happens. And he's like, man, that's amazing. Like, so you really wouldn't quit. And I'm like, I don't have a next thing. I don't know what that is. So over time, I've been trying to figure out what another thing I could do is, and that's where the podcast came from. People kept saying, hey, your next thing is to do a networking podcast. You'd be great at it. And I was like, ah, that's not the thing. Doesn't that make you just want to jump off a roof? Like, yeah, to a degree, <laughs> to a degree, yeah. I'm like... Because it takes something that could be pure and kind of makes it, I don't know, I always feel a little bit dirty networking. Yeah, I mean... It yeah, if it's purpose, it, 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 and I'm, it, it, not, I'm not bad mouthing it by any means, but I always feel like a little bit of a whore when I'm networking. It depends what you go into it with. I go into it trying to be a whore. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I feel like so, that. It's so weird. <laughs> You're saying I should wear a, a shirt? <laughs> yes, definitely wear a shirt to neck. My bad. Number one. It's no wonder everyone stopped inviting me. <laughs> but yeah, it's like. I go to a networking event and it's like if I meet one, maybe two cool people and connect with them, engage, that's a successful event for me. Like, that's wonderful. If I can figure out a way to help them, introduce them to somebody, do something for them, like, that's great. Where, you know, you see everybody else maybe with a different agenda when they go in and all keyed up about it. I'm like, ah, the way I network's kind of boring. <laughs> <laughs> Except for I love it. You know, it's not the excitement that they're looking for from an answer, possibly. So, yeah, they're like, do a podcast about that. Do a podcast about insurance. And I'm like, no, it's <laughs> the last thing I want to talk about is insurance. <laughs> I do that often enough. That's the job that I'm doing currently. And this is supposed to be something that inspires me along with that. Yes, yes. So I thought, trying to come up with it. And one day I went on a, or not one day, but I went on a retreat. And I just told a guy, we were having a conversation like this. And the guy's like, what are you going to do? And I'm like, I know what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to do a podcast. That's for sure not on the table. I've been on a guest on a few different ones, and they've gone well. A couple big ones. And I'm going to do that, though, because it's easier. I can just show up. Everybody else got the equipment. They do the editing, all that. He's like, all right, cool. That sounds good. What are you going to talk about? I'm like, I don't know. Whatever anybody wants to talk about, we'll just do that. I go, I've done a few things in life, so we you know, could get into that. And he's like, all right, next thing you know, I'm on this weekend retreat. And during that I'm praying and I'm like, God, you know, what do you want to talk about? He goes, I want to talk about you doing a podcast. I said, you were just with me at that meeting. You heard what I said. Yeah, I was. And yeah, I did. And you're going to do a podcast. I'm like, ah, oh, but what would I do? He's or what would I call it? And he's like, or what would I do? What, was, what would be the topic? And he's like, well, you know, the Christian dad. All right, that, that kind of fits. I kind of like both of those a lot. Like, what would I call it? 
He's like, well, the Christian dad. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like me to also draw you a picture? <laughs> I'm like, like the insurance store. Got it. <laughs> no subtitle needed. Uh, so that's kind of how it started. I'm like, I'm totally afraid of the technology aspect of it, you know, all these different things. But if that's, you know, kind of your will, that's what you want me to do. And like, I love the idea and the concept. And I kind of feel like I got permission suddenly. Yep. Like, let's, let's jump into it and go. I'm like, I'm not an ordained pastor and not a priest, not a, you know, whatever, but I can certainly talk to some guys and figure out ways, especially to help men grow in their, you know, walk with Christ or help them realize that maybe they should be on a different path and, you know, uh, pick up from there. So I'm like, that one's got some eternal purpose and will help me be a better dad. Kind of like talking to the guy from Bentonville, Arkansas. Here's where you are. You know, where do you think you want to be? and see where that goes. But, um, you know, I, I often ask people, I say, if you've got one thing that you could accomplish in life, what would it be? Money isn't an object. You've got no barriers, literally anything in the world you can accomplish. There's nothing limiting you. What would it be? For me? Yeah. You know, I've recently just... I enjoy being outside and I enjoy learning how things work and I enjoy food and everything that comes with it. Mm -hmm. And so I feel myself more and more being pulled towards buying acreage and mm -hmm. starting to grow things. Yeah. Like that's yeah. really like I've gone this whole circle of opening the business and using everyone else's stuff, you know, as far as basil and spinach and yeah, yeah. everything. And, you know, we've kind of made this transition here at Upshot where we're making all of our sourdough biscuits and our sourdough The sourdough bread. biscuits we're, are phenomenal. I had one tonight. Unbelievable. They're, I mean, they're crazy. And so like... And the bacon here, tremendous. Anyway, continue. Yeah. So, it, <laughs> But in this process, just like I got obsessed with chocolate, which obviously I'm not growing cacao trees here... So we were always going to be importing that, but I could make it bean to bar. So that transition from using other people's chocolate to now roasting and, mm -hmm. and making my own chocolate from scratch through this juice process and, you know, upshot coffee, roasting its own coffee and make everything in house. And the people I'm surrounded with right now, my real interest is I kind of want to go back to the earth, plant things, learn how to grow them, care for them. And then, you know, I, and I kind of honestly want to be around subdivisions and people less and less and less. I would like to come into work just like I do mm -hmm. now and get to be around all the special people that I get to see. And I want to continue to grow Upshot and Beats and Bones and, and make it really valuable for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. With the end goal for me to be sitting on 20 or 30 acres growing basil and like with 10 goats and some pigs and some cows and a bunch of dogs and some chickens and just create my own food system within that and have something to me that is i don't know pretty pure taking mm -hmm. care of the mm -hmm. earth like i think regenerative farming is a fascinating thing to me i think fermentation is a fascinating thing mm -hmm. to me and so the idea of having this you know 20 or 30 acres in the middle of the woods growing a bunch of my own food being off the grid as much as makes sense. Mm -hmm, and so mm -hmm. I'm actually taking care of that earth. I'm giving something back to the earth, helping the environment in my own way. And then I can also grow everything I'm interested in growing, have a fermentation lab, maybe a test kitchen. Right. And essentially walk out, pick the food that is in season, 
take it into a lab and figure out how to turn that into an incredible product for Upshot or Beats and Bones and literally just be in the dirt with my hands outside working, understanding the way things work at the most basic level, surrounded by nature, taking care of nature. And, you know, it's real work that if you, you know, you do your job, it's, it returns something. And I also believe selfishly, it's something that I can do with my wife and kids. And, you know, I, I believe selfishly, I can learn a great deal from it, which will impact all the decisions that I'm able to make here is, you know, the leader of this company, you know, I think the more I can learn about it, the better. And if you would have asked me if I ever wanted to grow anything 10 years ago, I would have laughed at you because that was the last thing I wanted to do. But the older I, I've been getting and the more that my interests have been developing into other things that they weren't when I was 20, the more mm-hmm. I realized that, God, it would be so cool to be out on 20 acres surrounded by things that give back. Mm-hmm. and be able to walk into like a barn and throw a bunch of stuff into fermentation tanks and just figure out what I can do with that. What a perfect time to have that vision too. Seems like the world's rewarding that vision these days. Well, it's, you know, it's a it's a really key thing where people are waking up. Some people, not yeah. everyone, but, you know, and, and it's not for everyone. So like that's the thing is the environment's very important to me. And, you know, there's a lot of things that don't necessarily care as much about, but I do believe because I enjoy the woods so much, mm-hmm. because I enjoy being outside so much, I, you know, the most important thing to me is how do I preserve some of this for my kids to also be able to enjoy it and for their kids to be able to enjoy right. it. And, you know, you know, I can march down, you know, King's Highway, you know, screaming and yelling with a flyer and a banner that everyone just flips you off and, you know, it doesn't do anything. Mm-hmm. You know, either people honk or they flip you off, but it's divisive. Or I can go, I can buy 20 acres and make this place give back as much as possible to the environment. And that's how I impact people. It's not arguing with people. It's by doing. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And, and in that process, I get to get connected to a piece of land with a connection that I just can't have living in a subdivision surrounded by people. <laughs> Yes. And I've been doing that for a long time. Like, honestly, like I grew up in Elsa, Illinois, you know, we had, we were surrounded by woods yeah, and there yeah. wasn't really anything going on. So I spent a lot of time outside. And honestly, when I was a kid, you know, I wanted to get away from that because I saw what other people had, which was the ability to go get food anywhere they mm-hmm. wanted and get a movie from Blockbuster back hmm. in the day at a moment's notice and go to the mall and all these things that, you know, right. th- these consumeristic tendencies that when you're growing up and you don't have it and you see people having easy access to it, you're like, that's what I'm going to do. So I always wanted to live as close to all that as I could. And I've done that. And now that I've done that, I'm like, I really want to be in the middle of nowhere surrounded by woods and I don't need to go to Blockbuster, you know, cause one, I can get it from my TV, but two, like I've, I've done that. I, uh, yeah. Yeah. And you ask your kids, Hey, what's your favorite memories or whatever? And they're like, remember when we went to that cave? Remember when we did the thing? And it's always the, you know, doing something. It's yeah. not, remember when we watched that TV show? Yep. I haven't heard that hey, from him you once. Remember? And it's like, no, we don't watch a TV show because I watch a documentary and you watch YouTube. Mm-hmm. So we don't even do that. It's TikTok and YouTube. <laughs> yes. It's 10 second clips. So uh-huh. really the way I capture my kids' attention is we go out and we do something. Because if we're if they're sitting in the house, it's it's a place where they relax. 
It's a place where they want to watch and stare at their phones and, you know, they're yeah, they not get, necessarily doing anything productive. Yeah, they get it's pulled into stuff. It's a safe place to rest just like it is for me. I'm not super productive when I'm at home. I work hard. I got to do other things. When I'm at home, I am kind of just want to chill. So how do we kind of transition our home to include these other things where you can walk out your front door and you have all of these other experiences that you can have without getting in your car, driving 20 minutes to Klondike Park and then mm-hmm. forcing an experience or allowing an experience to happen. But, you know, there's something alluring to me and I don't know that it will ever happen or make any sense, but that is something I felt myself really being drawn to the last couple of years is literally moving into the woods and growing things and having some animals. That'd be cool. And That'd I, I cool. just won't shower anymore. <laughs> That's another Until plus. I have to come to work. <laughs> And see when I people. have to come to work, I'm pretty sure I'm going to have to shower. So depending on how you schedule your time at work. Yeah, like three days a week. If I, you know, if I work 12-hour days, maybe I can do three days a week, showered, and then the other four just lost in the woods, spinning in circles, thinking about what kind of crazy thing I can do with that blueberry. Yeah, you don't have to wear the shirt out there in the 30 acres. No, so, yeah, no one's yeah. going to be paying attention. <laughs> I, hope no, I hope no one pays attention. So yeah, that's... That's an interesting thing, and it may be 10 years, 20 years down the road. It could be tomorrow. I don't know. Um, but I would like to create from the land, from something mm-hmm. I control from the ground up. And if that's just creating for my own family to enjoy, or if that somehow takes upshot and beats and bones to a new level that wasn't there because now we've got this ability to do things that we never had before, mm-hmm. that's great too. That's a pretty awesome vision. We'll see. For anybody listening, I encourage you, if you can, come up with a vision with that much clarity. It's hard. I, I couldn't have given you that vision two years ago. Yeah. I, you know, it's really something that I spent a lot of time thinking, what is it? And, you know, that's even with the business. Like, I, I don't know about you, but when I opened VBs, there really wasn't a business plan. It was like, we're just going to do this. Mm-hmm. Right. And so one of the things I've been having to get way more disciplined in as I learn about myself is... Write down, what is the vision for Upshot? What is the vision for Beats and Bones? What is your role in that? What is your growth strategy? What do you want your employees to get out of it? So that, you know, and that vision can change because my vision changes, Mm -hmm. you know, like I look at my life in 10-year segments, essentially, like who I was from 0 to 10, 10 to 20, 20. Mm -hmm. And every 10 years, I'm a completely different person than I was 10 years ago. Yes. It's insane. Like nothing that I held of value really at 25 was there at 35 and by 35. And I think that's one of the reasons that marriage can be so hard. Yes. I married my wife at 23. She was 24. I mean, I'm sorry, Stacy. She was 19. 19. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but from 24 to 30, I became a completely different person. Right. And she became a different person. And then you're in this marriage and you're trying to figure out, well, this isn't the person I married. And it's not intentional. It's just people growing and evolving. And I think that's a lot of times why marriages, you know, can tend to not work out is you look at the other person, you go, that's just not who I married. They sold me a false bill of goods. My dad gave me some marriage advice. He says, uh, don't fall in love with the girl that you're going to marry. Fall in love with the girl she'll become after you marry her. Yep. I said, how do you do that, dad? Well, good luck, son. (laughs) (laughs) You, You evolve. Right. And you, you know, you're changing because 
you're, you're, if you're paying any attention, you know your viewpoints, mm-hmm. what's important to you, your hobbies, like everything changes. There mm-hmm. may be a couple things that stick around, like, oh, I've always loved golfing. Okay, but what changed around that? And right. the same thing is happening for your wife. And so whether wherever you're at, you're just trying to figure out how to evolve together. Yes. Instead yes. of, you know, when you're evolving disagreeing with each other and feeling like you're being betrayed because they're changing their opinions on things and their viewpoints and their goals. You know, like for my wife, if at 23, I would have told her I want to own 30 acres and ferment stuff in my garage as my passion. (laughs) I don't think she would have seen that coming. (laughs) So she wasn't willing to evolve with me and take that as it comes. And I wasn't willing to go, okay, this is who Stacy was when I married her and this is who she is now. And you know, there's times where that's frustrating and you learn to like how to adjust, mm-hmm. but if you're not coming back together and then appreciating those, those growth periods, then I think you're in a lot of trouble. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I've been through a few of those. Like we went and we, we were smart enough to go to marriage counseling multiple times, you know, like we just are, are you know, when we started fighting and not getting along, we're like, we're just going to go see someone because to me, divorce was never really something that was going to be okay. If it happened, and I'd done everything in my control. Like, you know, I, I'm aware that there's divorces out there that are not under your control. Yes. If yes. You're, you know, you or your wife has significant issues and affairs and all these things where like one person wants to make it work and the other person has no interest. Like it's just going to break apart. Right. It's not a written rule that anyone can make a marriage work. But if you have two reasonable people that maybe get frustrated with each other and maybe don't see eye to eye for years, because yes. that's the reality. You that's may the just reality. look at them for years and be like, I just don't know, man. But as long as you're both trying to work towards it, then I feel like I, I never wanted to, as, as long as Stacy was open to being in the marriage, I never wanted to walk away from it just because of selfish reasons or insecurities or hurt feelings. And so we, we got through it. And, you know, I went through divorce. My, my parents divorced when I was 17. I didn't appreciate anything about it. <laughs> Wow, <laughs> you know so i came from that and i always said i wouldn't get married and then like everyone that says that you meet the right woman and then you know there was a lot of stuff we had to work through as things started coming up because you married this beautiful woman and yeah, you know yeah. everything's rainbows and sunshine and then For life a few starts days. <laughs> life starts after that and then you, you know all the ugliness of who you actually are and all your trauma and things you've never dealt with mm-hmm. starts to come to the surface and, you know, you got to figure out how to deal with it. Yeah, absolutely. And if you've got, like what you mentioned, you know, divorce really isn't an option. So if you've got that right. buddy of mine said the brick wall for a back door. And don't get me wrong. I've thought about, like, how much easier that would be multiple times. And I'm sure Stacy's had those conversations. Like, we've joked about it. Not joked. But we've actually had those conversations. Like, you know, when were you so – because we can have those conversations now. Yeah. And it was like, yeah, that would have been much easier in the short term. Yes. But Short-term luckily, thinkers. luckily we were both, you know, able to, I guess, just dislike the concept of each other for periods of time and never do anything that was like the nail in the coffin. Did you hear about the little kid experiment they did with the marshmallows? No. Uh, something like five-year-olds or whatever age they were, they stuck marshmallows out on the table and they're like, all right, there's your marshmallow. And if you wait three minutes before you eat that marshmallow, we'll give you a second or a third marshmallow. They ate it immediately. Some of them didn't. And what they found over time when they kept track of these kids 
was the ones that had the patience to wait and the willpower to wait for the added reward, the long-term thinkers, they were much more successful in life. I believe it. <laughs> There's something about delaying gratification. Yes. And if you, you can know, learn working that Working towards uh, something and even when you're able, because that's the other thing is a lot of people think that, oh, you're able, so now you should do everything you ever wanted or buy everything you ever wanted or whatever it is. Yes. Whatever yes. makes you happy. Uh, and some of the happiest people I know are very able to do whatever they want and they choose to not invest in that because there's more important things they could be doing with their time. Yep. I love the minimalist philosophy. I wish I could employ that more. Well, what are you doing to get there? Uh, well, we're currently removing stuff from the home. Getting rid of <laughs> we're stuff that you're not using? Getting rid of stuff we're not using that doesn't have value to us that, you know, maybe we'll use in five years. I'm like, let's just buy it in five years then if that, like, so we're, we're working towards that. So we're stripping it down. That's awesome. Well, I've appreciated all your time here. We've gone an hour and 32 minutes. Get out of here. Which is pretty the awesome. Longest right? podcast of all time. So if any of you made it to the end of this, thank you for listening. <laughs> Make sure that as Dan gets his podcast out, you guys follow along with that. Um, I just want to close this by saying you've been great for my business. You've been a good friend, and I appreciate every juice, coffee. Like People think you don't notice or that doesn't matter, but when people that you know and you do business with come in and they buy mm -hmm. even a $5 item once in a while and you just see them and they support you, it means something. You've done that very well. So thank you for doing that. Thank you for being a good friend. I appreciate it. I appreciate you being a good friend. Appreciate you leading your family the way you do and running a business like you've run some cool, fun businesses. They've been fun. And at other times, they've almost killed me. <laughs> and, I, and I love the fact that as I've evolved and gotten more healthy, so have you. So yeah. your businesses have as well. You got to. How else are you going to farm, like, you know, play how, with your radishes when you're 50 if you, you can't even bend over and tie your shoes? How are you going to keep the coronavirus away? That's that's the title for this podcast. I dare you. This, this individual just, episode just is... Just cough on me with the coronavirus. <laughs> I'll never get it. I guarantee it. Because I already ate the coronavirus. This will be the number, I fermented one, it. number one podcast if we put that title out there. <laughs> awesome. Well, we'll talk to you guys soon. Check out Dan. And uh, we appreciate you guys listening. Have a good night. Thank you.